if you don't have a practice, like a formational practice in your life, you call it spiritual, which is what I would say. It's a spiritual practice, which is to consider your whole life meaningful. If you don't have one, well, then Amazon will have one on your behalf or Fox or CNN or Apple. Like you are being shaped. Like you don't get a decision there. You like you are being shaped by forces in the world. You either harness that in some sort of liturgical way where you practice things that form your life direction, you know, directionally in the way you want to go, or someone else will do it for you. There is no neutral when it comes to meaning in life. There's no neutral when it comes to humanity. You're being formed. That's part of what it means to be human. What's up, damn givers? Welcome to the Let's Give a Damn podcast. I'm your host, Nick LaPara, and as always, we're bringing you the stories of people who saw something wrong in the world and gave a damn about it. Every once in a while, we bring on a guest or two that can help us, teach us, guide us, and it's not so much about the organization that they've built or the project they've started. Today is one of those days, and it's a good one. Not to say that these friends haven't built amazing stuff in their lives, but we have stuff to learn from them today, and I'm so glad that they're here to help us, to teach us, to guide us. My guests today are Scott Erickson and Justin McRoberts. Scott, you may remember from a few weeks ago. If you haven't listened to that episode, push pause now, go listen to that one, and then come back. Trust me. And as a reminder, Scott is an artist, speaker, and storyteller from Portland, Oregon, and my very good buddy. I love him. And my other guest is the incredible Justin McRoberts. Justin is a pastor and a storyteller, and a musician, and a podcast host, and so much more. He has been a pastor at the same church that he helped start in Martinez, California for 21 years. Friends, if you're not in the church, spiritual, religious world, that is rare. Know that that is rare. And I love that he has stayed in one place for so very long that it's very hard to find. He has put out 18 musical projects over the last 20 years, and he is the host of the At Sea podcast. Today, I brought Justin and Scott on to talk, among other things, about their brand new book that is out today, September 24, called May It Be So. Whether you're religious or not, whether you're spiritual or not, this conversation is for you. Trust me. So much goodness to wade through in our conversation today, and I know that you'll be helped and encouraged. Are you ready? Let's do it. Here's my conversation with Scott Erickson and Justin McRoberts. Scott and Justin, thank you so much for joining me on the Let's Give a Damn podcast today. Y'all are amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. And uh, Justin, we already know that Scott is joining us from his minivan um, yes. in, Van- in Vancouver, Washington. <laughs> uh, where are you joining us from? Because I made the dumbass mistake a few minutes ago of assuming you're from Portland. And yes. And you said, no, I'm not. You're in I'm California. Not. No, I don't have the tattoos for Portland. I live in Martinez, California, which is just outside of like Oakland, San Francisco. Gotcha. That's where, I'm gotcha. in my garage. That's where I am. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Well, today's, uh, for everyone listening, today's conversation is going to be a lot more focused on spirituality, Christian spirituality to be specific, but don't let that turn you off, whether you're a <laughs> spiritual uh, leaning person or not. Uh, we're going to all learn a lot today. People that need or want to change themselves, their family, their neighborhood, city, state, country, world, need this conversation. We all need this conversation. So 
Uh, hang in there. There'll be some new ideas that you're presented with, some new language maybe, but we're going to do our best to explain some of that and hopefully uh, provide, uh, yeah, a meaningful conversation for everyone. So Scott and Justin, let me begin by saying to you both, and Justin, we've never met before. Scott, we've met uh, many times. We, we, we know each other pretty well. Uh, I appreciate you both so very much. Uh, your verbal art, Justin, and your visual art, Scott, uh, mean the world to me, and I know mm. it means the world to so many. So thank you ahead of our conversation for who you are and what you give to the world. Wow, that's I feel like that might be like a good place to stop. Like, like we could like put it. Oh, down I'm, I'm not letting you off the hook that easy. <laughs> okay. I'm not letting you off the hook that uh, easy. Um, so before we talk about your books, because uh, that's what that's primarily why I wanted to get us together in these virtual rooms here today. Um, Let's get to know you a little bit. Scott, uh, you go first. People know if they've if they listen to every episode of this podcast, which I don't assume that many do, um, they know you from a few weeks ago. We had a, a lengthy, amazing conversation about your Say Yes show. But give us mm-hmm. all a recap of who you are, what you're about, and then we'll go on to Justin. Yeah, I'm a professional artist who lives in a van down by the river. And uh, that's just what I'm doing right now. No, I, uh, yeah, I'm, I make my living as a creative so that I tell people, cause that seems like a mystery to people. They're like, Oh cool. How do you make money? And I say, I don't know. Um, but I <laughs> do lots of things to make a little something. So uh, I am an illustrator painter. Um, I am a co-author with Justin and uh, I do performance art speaking and uh, these kind of like one-man shows. And that is what fills my time. I think of it, uh, I actually heard the comedian Dimitri Martin frame it this Love way, him. which yeah, he, which is really helpful because he does a lot of like, he writes and does cartoons and little short films. And, and uh, somebody was like, you know, do you get a lot of crap for doing so many things and he's like yeah but he's like for me i'm just trying to make the joke what it needs to be and it sometimes it needs to be a short film sometimes it needs to be just a one-liner or a drawing and that made a lot of sense to me of like what's the idea that i'm trying to get to and what's the best way to do that and um so yeah those are that's that's kind of my pursuit of being a translator and a facilitator of these deep conversations that we're in and did you or did you not play a really impressive venue playing? You performed your show at a really amazing venue the other night. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Joe. Speaking of Joe Rogan, he was uh, performing next door. I was at the Hollywood Improv in one of their side labs. And was so, that was that yeah. was that a true story that he walked in and was like, what the hell's going on here or something like that? <laughs> yeah. So what happened is that night, uh, the pipes in the venue burst. So like the bathrooms were closed oh, for like no. an hour and a half and the kitchen closed down. So everything got started late and I had like a show right after mine and mine runs like a good 90 minutes. Yeah. So yeah, yeah we were, it kind of threw, here's the thing. I, I, it was an awesome experience. I loved it, but it wasn't like my favorite show ever. Like I was at a, the week earlier, I was at like this kind of vibey church chapel in Denver. Yeah. And that was like super fun. This yeah. kind of, I think it kind of like took the legs out from it a bit. And, um, but yeah, 
like he did he walked in and was just kind of like what is he's like what is this and my friends were like shh yes <laughs> so he just, he just kind of stood there for a while um yeah because i'm like telling jokes but i'm also like talking about deep things i got a lot of visuals yeah and there's so lots of stuff going on anyways it was a it was a really rad experience i hope it leads to other avenues like that um but yeah it was super fun that's amazing that's amazing justin your turn please tell us everything about who you are well maybe not everything we have a 45 50 minute uh time limit here yeah but tell us about yourself who are you where do you come from who are your people what do you do sure so my wife and i live in martinez california we've got two kids a nine-year-old two-year-old uh planted the church in 98 in downtown concord i'm still one of the pastors there i write books uh i did music for a long time and traveled uh, mostly playing music and now when i travel i mostly talk um i've got a podcast called the at sea podcast uh with me justin Roberts, and um this prayer book that we're going to talk a little bit about today that is called may it be so is the second project that it was scott i've known scott for going on seven years or so six oh. or something like that yeah. um happy anniversary, happy anniversary whatever <laughs> that was and uh <laughs> yeah so that's a, that's kind of the, the the kick of it i pastor i coach artists and pastors too it's like a newer thing in the last like year and a half like i sit down with folks who are trying to figure their shit out in like, the arts or ministry and help do that kind of thing so i'm i'm kind of all over the board so Correct me if I'm wrong, because this is a very weird thing for, I think, a lot of people, even for people that are in the uh, Christian and church worlds. worlds uh, you've been with the same church since 1998? Yeah. Well, I planted it, so that, I feel like at the point yeah. at which they boot me, then, I, then I'll leave then. But but still, that's 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 over 20 years. Like, that's pretty yes, pretty impressive, because you're a... You're a, you're a, you look like a dashing, uh, <laughs> handsome young man when no, I look no, at right your now. photos, <laughs> Okay, but 21 years, that's, that's wild. Tell me about spiritually shepherding, uh, the same kind of the same church family. That's kind of language that we use a lot yeah. of times, the same church family for over two decades. Um, so, I mean, the, the, the this is going to be more cliche than I want to be, but it is like the, it is besides being a father it is vocationally and yeah vocationally because vocation has to do with who you are not just your job mm -hmm. it is vocationally the most difficult um heartbreaking and rewarding enriching thing in my life period there are no I, well my kids are nine and two so we'll see what happens once they get into their teens <clears throat> but there are no sure. there are no wounds in my life anywhere close to the depth and uh, like darkness of the wounds that I've experienced as a pastor, not even close. Um, Ex explain, explain a little bit about that because, you know, we see uh, even just the other day for some of us, a friend, for a lot of people, just the name that they saw, but now yeah. hear about a story, you know, another pastor, Jared Wilson, yeah. you know, died by suicide. And we know that he has been a, uh, you know, an amazing advocate for, you know, mental health yeah. within the church, that conversation. And then ultimately he, you know, succumbed to it himself yeah. and super sad. I, those couple of days were pretty hard. Um, he's, he was an amazing, encouraging, just wonderful human, but this happens, you know, more and more and more. And so like, what are those pressures you're talking in really, you know, pretty intense terms yeah. here for people that aren't in the clergy realm for a lot of people that don't even aren't that involved in church life. Like what? What does that look like? What kind of pressures are you under? Yeah, well, I would push back just a smidge and say, like, I I actually think, 
I don't think there's the like the actual patterns are new. I think th- it's like anything else. Like there's just there's more noise now, so you, we hear more. Like sure. it's more present. Every, everything's yeah. on the surface. Not everything. More is on the surface. And Scott and I have had this conversation a lot about like we've had a lot of res- relationships with different clergy type people and over the years and like they're you know they're cats out there have been burying the same shit for decades but now it's yeah. now it's a kind of a conversation so we can kind of get into it and the pressures are i mean so on, on one hand like if you're doing your job right you take it some to some degree personally like it, it it's got to matter to you but that line like uh, from the pastoral standpoint if if you're on staff in a church and you actually love people which is why you show up um, the line between like loving people and being helpful and being useful versus like get like it being way too entwined in the lives of too many people whose stuff you can't carry and being known like that. It's really, it's, it's, this, it's a, it's super messy and super confusing. And, and there are so few bits of training around not just how to do it well, but more to the point, like how to get right if you don't. Uh, so there's a lot of setup about like, Hey, so power differential in relationships that if you're a pastor in a community, you're never just some guy at the party, you're the pastor. And so like I show up at a party last night and I know as I'm there, like as soon as there are conversations, I'm like, Oh, that's Justin's, you know, Keiko's pastor. Well now there's like the angle is different on me. So there's all this training set up for power differential and kind of stuff. But like when the ball, (laughs) when the ball hits the floor and relationships break and like, and I fail in, in some form of relationship or I cross a line, whatever, like there are so few models and bits of training for what to do when you fuck it up that like, that's mm-hmm. where the darkness starts to set. And it's like, Oh, I missed mm-hmm. my mark. And now I don't know what's up. So the, the real pressure for, for my take, my real, the real pressure for pastors is like, there's so, f- there, there, there's so little coming back from blowing it. Uh, that's yeah. that's kind of the the main pressure. Like if you blow it, usually you're just either done or you have to hide it. I too have held the the role of clergy for several years throughout my career, and um, I it's hard. Yeah. It's really it's really fucking yeah. hard. And I w- you know wouldn't wish it on most people because the, the as the weight that you're feeling all the time for the people that you are caring for, loving talking through really hard stuff with so on and so forth is really intense. Scott, uh, what's your, uh, this is probably a much longer conversation, but package it up nice and neatly for us. Like what's your relationship with the church in the past and presently? Like where are you with all of this? My relationship with church. Yeah, I have, I grew up in the church. So it was kind of, you know, the religious practices have always been a part of my life. Um, there have been many moments from junior high, high school, pre-college, in college, after college, where I had to go, what is this thing? And Hmm. why are we doing these things? And I still do. I, I believe in what the church is. Uh, I don't necessarily love what it's been made to look like in America, like, I say and say yes. I'm like, there's a lot of fluff that can go away as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the two things that keep me coming back is one, there's some part of the divine that we cannot know without each other. And so it is the practice of being together. And, and in that, cause there's no evidence for God 
like you can't i mean meaning like you can't go to like mount rainier and their goddess you know like it's it is what is revealed in the sacred texts of scripture mm. um is is when you are in the midst of loving and caring for somebody else god is there too so it's in it, like richard rohr says spiritual truths can't be known by observation but by participation mm. and so so like the importance of being together is because it's in the actual participation that we are um, we are experiencing an aspect of the divine that we cannot just on our own. There's other aspects like we can through solitude, silence, through nature, all those things, but there's a there's a really poignant one about being together. And then I think the church what it is and this doesn't happen very much, but it, it is the thing that says when we come together we're all equal. And it is a practice of that equality in the mm. best form. Yeah. That's really hard to do, especially if you have celebrities or wealthy people or just anybody who has power and then a p- group that has no power coming together. That's where this practice is like can be culture altering is because yep. it has the audacity to say like we're all image bearers. We must. And then through these relationships and these in these rituals and practices that we form friendships and we can see at least what was recorded in the book of acts that when those two or seemingly different sizes or you know like bank accounts or wealth or something it looked like people caring for one another and sharing their resources and yeah. this kind of yeah um which a lot of american christians call biblical socialism I yeah. Don't know. Yeah, yeah whatever however they're afraid of it you know I've brought it up to pastors and you mean like, you mean like communism, socialism? I'm like, I don't know. Just looking what people did impelled by the spirit of God. Um, so that interests me and that keeps me going. There's mm. a lot. I just preached in my church yesterday and I actually wrote like a call and response and we've never done that before. So I had to kind of preface it. And I, I love saying this like everything's invented. We don't have to do anything. If what was spiritually forming was a slip and slide, then we would be handing out towels and speedos when you came into the door. That's amazing. But, but we are part of a long history of women and men who know when you get together and you sing yeah. songs, it does something to you. When somebody gets together and somebody shares a bit of their life and expounds on an idea um, that that does something to us when we when we give and we share and we go what's going on in our community so this is what has been been going on for thousands and thousands of years and we're just partaking in that but we need to contextually make sense of it instead of going well we did this and we always do this you know because that needs to change yeah. the way we talk about it the way we sing about it the way we you know and mm-hmm. and then with like technology and other things it's like hey we can we can show images we can we can do lots of different things you know so anyways that that's always in play um i think mostly what people um i mean i think there's a lot of reasons why people like get rid of their faith i think mostly they get rid of their bad images but frankly a lot of like the rituals and ceremonies we call church are just like boring and people are like i just want to go i'd rather go worship at the the table of brunch, which is yep. a delightful experience. Um, so yeah, so I've, I've worked on staff and been a leader. Uh, I don't know if I've ever been formally called a pastor. That might be something I've pushed back on. I would say if I brought in spiritual vocabulary, my gifting and calling is more, <laughs> whoa, is more, so uh, 
That's great. These these there's these two homes being built right across the street from my house. Yeah. And um they frequently uh block the driveway block the street, but they're putting yeah. down sod right now and they th- there's no cones, there's no anything. And uh, anyway, that was a fire truck that did not like being blocked off. So he he let he let my neighbor know. Anyway, that sorry about amazing. that. That is amazing. Oh, I was just gonna say I'm uh, my probably leaning is more prophetic, which means yeah. a lot of things. But that is uh, uh, Justin. You know, pastoral is more like I want to invest in people for ten years. Mine. Mine is I want to. I mean, I have. I need to have a rootedness in a community, but uh, the rhythm of my life has often been being sent yep. somewhere else to rustle things up, say yep. something, remind people who they are and what we're doing, and then yeah. come back home. So that's yeah. that seems to be more of my rhythm in life. Yeah, I think you, uh, maybe Justin. I don't know you that well. I know you, Scott, and I are very similar in that regard. Um, you know, apostles. Uh, the word, you know, the apostles is a, bi- a Bible word, you know, but it's a Bible title. But they, they kind of, they start things and they build up, and then uh, prophets uh, tear things down. We, like you, you said very, you know, nice, like ru- you know, rustle things up, kind of shake things up. Yep. But um, I've spent a lot of my life, in sometimes poorly and and sometimes well, uh, t- tearing tearing bad ideas, structures down, mm. and giving people, you know, an al- you know, an alternative conversation to have. Um, and Scott, I know that you do that well um, with your with your art and uh, with your True. honesty um, and every, every, everything about you. Um, so that's really cool. So let's. I want to spend the bulk of our time, our remaining time, talking about your brand new forthcoming book out yeah. on September twenty four, which is the day this podcast will release. Oh, cool. So if you're listening to this and you don't pause it right now to go to Amazon and order that <laughs> shit, like do that. But before we get to May it be so. Uh, I also had the honor of, you know, combing through, reading, praying through your book, Prayer, hmm. uh, the first one that you two did together, which is, you know, 40 Days of Practice. How did that, because I think that that was probably you two, uh, Justin and Scott, figuring out how to work together and kind of putting out this project out into the world, which again, preceded this new book, May It Be So. How was that experience? What did you all learn from, uh, you know, authoring a book together? And what has the book done for you and for the people that have uh, read and looked at it? Yeah. So one thing is, I mean, the, the, the initial the initial effort to make a book as opposed to – because the prayers initially started just – they were just word prayers on Twitter and Facebook. And that has a particular cultural resonance. There's, there's a particular power available, cultural power available <clears throat> online. Uh, things move fast. There's this kind of galvanizing, uh, rooted experience with a book, and so you know, putting a book out of prayers that were a little outside—I don't want to say outside the box—I don't know, outside normal experience for people who pray or people who didn't pray and quit on prayer or whatever. Making it a book has this kind, of, like, yeah, it has more of a gravity to it, which was sort of our assumption was like, well, this is cool. You know, this idea here is neat, and and these. These words and these images will probably play differently for people, but if we're going to do it in a way that's going to have the kind of cultural impact we want it to have, this should probably be a book because there's the, a book just says something different. I don't have my head all the it way does. around what that is and why that is that works for people. I'm sure some of it's psychosomatic in terms of having something physical in your hand, which is fine too. But 
that's one of the things we learned is like uh, there. Well, I get the the primary thing in, in that direction was like, yeah, making it a book as opposed to just leaving this like long list of blogs or setting something up at Medium does what we were hoping it would do. Is it gives people a sense of like, oh, this is actually real. This is a real thing I get to do. Uh, the other part of it, and I, you know, Scott can pick this up more, and he's more articulate in this direction. Is like folks just clicked with it in a way we we suspected people would. We specifically suspected that there are a number of folks, a lot of people, for whom like like prayer as a as an idea was like more than fine, but like the particulars of prayer, the way it had been expressed, the way it had been like put on them, the way it had been like they just didn't fit. Like they just, they're like I like Scott was saying, you know, everything's made up, but the way we talk about pr- the way prayer is often talked about from up front in particular religious settings, it's like it sounds like it's not made up. It sounds like this is the thing, this is the way. And we really found for folks, there are like a, just a shit ton of people, especially the first book came through and like, I quit on my prayer life or I never used to be able to pray or like, I didn't feel like it was for me. And this makes me feel like I was for me. So we were like that assumption that like there were folks who mostly didn't pray, not because they didn't think it was all real or they didn't think you know divine things were interesting, but like they just hadn't figured out, like the, they hadn't found the freedom to, to experiment. And this kind of kicked that door open for a lot of folks. Yeah, so these books are essentially both of them prayer and may it be so. Uh, on on one page, you're going to see an image that you Scott created, and they're all beautiful. And I, I've always loved, even before we met years ago, like I just loved your stuff because it's it, it's you make something so simple that speaks volumes, right? And and they're just always incredibly helpful. Your Instagram account is one of my favorites to revisit because I know I'm going to get encouraged. Mm. And so this is literally a book with an image on one side and a short prayer on the other side. Take us into the mindset of, uh, let's talk about liturgy. Let's talk about you know guided meditations, prayers. Uh, why is this important for humans to participate in having a... Well, the thing about liturgy is liturgy means the work of the people. And it, it, everyone has, I think, whether, you're, whether you have a faith bent or not, uh, everyone has a liturgy. Everyone is following a pattern in life. Everyone has these rhythms and these habits that they live out each and every day. Most people, I think, have a very poor, uh, unhealthy, mm. unhelpful liturgy. That's me. I think that. Because everybody, we, we all have these things that we do each and every day, things that we value, and we show what we value in life by these things, whether it's it could be a bad liturgy, like don't take care of yourself, eat poorly, uh, watch yeah. Netflix every night. Yep. But it's a liturgy. That's liturgy because yes. we follow this pattern, right? Yep. And yeah. I've always – I see the work of let's give a damn. Actually, again, this is a spiritual word, but I think it has implications for all of life. I see my work at let's give a damn as helping people get a healthy, others-centered, others-focused liturgy yeah. going on in their lives, right? So talk through liturgy, guided meditations, prayers. Why is this important for – Yeah. Um, and, and as as you give your answers, uh, Justin, if you want to go first, then Scott, or vice versa, it doesn't matter. Why is it important for even people – like what does someone that doesn't have a faith bent here today or, or someone that doesn't yeah. share your Christian faith, yep. why is this – why should this be important to them? Why should they bu- buy this book and participate in these – the rhythms that you guys have set forth. Yeah, so I the, so I would pitch it this way. I, I don't know if you run into David Dark much at all in, in Nashville, but w- one of my favorite books of David Dark's is a book called Life's Too Short to Pretend You're Not Religious. 
Um, it's a, we have a we have we have a forthcoming podcast conversation. We've been trying to na- nail each other down for uh, well, a few months now. But yes, love love fantastic. David Dark. He's, he's a gift, and that what the book does. It, like even just the title is worth it. Like life's too short to pretend you're not religious. I think that's true. I think, and in so far as like when you use the word liturgy, the work of the people. What Scott and I assume with the book and with most of our work is like there is stuff already happening. Like like if if there's any if if the whole thing about the divine is true at all, then it's not predicated on my stirring of the divine. Like the divine is at work in movement around in my life, my garage, my family, etc. So that's that that's stuff that's just flat out happening. And the importance of liturgy then is like it, it's not. And how should I say this? It's, it's kind of like, what are you going to do? it? So if life is too short to pretend, to pretend you're not religious, this is actually an inclination in you that life is bigger than you. There are things that are meaningful in ways that you can't get your head around. And that that meaning, if you follow it, kind of taps into some kind of divine underpinning. And you're right. Like, I don't need you to buy my particular brand Christianity. But the question ends up being, what do you do with it? And I wonder mm-hmm. if right. part of the hangup for a lot of folks is that the other, the other side of that question isn't open-ended enough most of the time that there's a right answer to that question. What are you going to do with it? That there's a, like here you're, there are actually two options and a billion ways to get it wrong. And I think that's bullshit. I think the question, like, what are you going to do with your sense of meaning and depth and connectedness to the universe and the, everyone around you? That's actually some stuff you get to decide. And the, 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 the importance of liturgy has more, has less to do with getting it right and more to do with tapping into the way you actually want to live and what you actually see and and like establishing your own vision Mm. and connecting this with other people. That's the importance of liturgy is like, this is shit that's actually going on in the world. This is what's actually going on in you. If you pay attention closely, you can hear it and feel it and be feel connected to it. And now what do you do with it? What does the work of your life look like in connection to that meaning? I think that's the importance of liturgy. That's beautiful. Scott, do you have anything to add? Particularly, why, I guess what I'm wondering from you is, why is it important that a book like this contain not just words, which is, you know, for so long, uh, you know, we've, I mean, yeah, books like this with prayers have have been around for thousands of years, right? This is not new. Um, yeah. Why, so why why is it important to attach really meaningful images that help bring those words to life? Why, why is that important? Hmm. Yeah, my well, I love that you how you frame things with the liturgy because, like, my latest one man show say as a liturgy of not giving up on yourself yes. is is almost predicated on the premise that you have a liturgy of give, giving up on yourself mm. that you mm. started a practice or a ritual of saying things to yourself, uh, interacting with. If we just went through my three points in my talk, it's like. You, you have narratives that you say over and over and over again. Yes. You, uh, are, you are participating in a culture of comparison, and that's devastating your value in the world. And then you have decided that like, not trying or, uh, would be better than trying. You know, mm. like you're, or you, this, this dream actually isn't ever it, – it's going to die, and that's actually the end of all things. Um, and so like – say yes is like, let's develop a different liturgy, a different practice. We need practices in our lives. And, uh, as a person who, you know, I have a lot of emotions. I have had bouts of deep depression and, and still wrestle with those lows and just a, just a general melancholiness of existing. Mm. Uh, I have to have practices and rituals that go, 
my brain and my body's telling me a narrative that is made up. It's all made up. Yeah. So like, that's not necessarily true. I can actually have other rituals and practices that tell me actually there's a different narrative going on. Like when I come home from a trip, always like the first day I'm really tired. The second day I'm really tired. The third day I'm low. Mm. And I know that day, like I go, I don't hang out by myself. I try to have a good meal. I go swim laps or go on a walk. Like I get out of my head and I get into my body because I need to, my head is just like, I've just got a shitty narrative to tell you about yourself. You know, I don't make any decisions about myself. I don't make any career decisions on that day. I have learned that I need, you could say practices, rhythms. I need a liturgy of, of, of centering in like, it's going to be okay. This is normal to feel this way. So I think that was really great how you said, like, in a sense, prayer is giving form to the conversation we're having with our existence. Um, It is a way of giving a framework that when we engage in becomes forming to us. So it's not that we, we say in the book, we're like, what prayer is, is the ever present ongoing interior conversation with the divine. Mm. You, this is happening to you, whether you're a person of quote unquote faith or an atheist or whatever, you're having an internal conversation about what you think living is. And that is expressed towards just your general existence, or you could say the giver of your existence is what we would describe the divine as. And it is really important to know that because that honesty is the doorway to hearing the voice of God. Um, so how do we uncover that? There's lots of things. So we give like these sentences, uh, and, and Justin's done a really good job on taking language because a lot of prayer books are very wordy and it was like, what if we could just get like, make it like a nice scalpel that just gets to the point. And so he's done that with these like one sentence prayers and then images. My running premise is that, and I have lots to validate that, but it's like, our, our words are actually rooted in imagery. You know, we're, we're, our language is yes. to try to explain to another human being what we're seeing internally, externally, and that's how we're communicating. And so a lot of times when we use words, certain words, especially religious words, we actually really are unclear of what the image is for yeah. that. And so uh, we can have a lot of language and stuff, and but, you re- but people will be like, I don't, you know, when people are like, do you believe Jesus is the way, you know, when I'm like, yeah, what do you think the way means? Usually what they mean is, do you think Jesus is like the kindest <laughs> spiritual bouncer you've ever met, right. you know, like holding you from the kingdom club, you know, and you got to go through him. Yeah. Or I would be like, is, is he about, when you say the way, do you imagine a bouncer or do you, is it a practice? Is it a rhythm? Is it a path? What do you mean by the way? You know, is it this is it this like way of just being in the world that Jesus modeled mm-hmm. so well, um, which I think it is. So really getting to that rooted image. So we wanted to like give both of that verbal language and image language to that conversation. Found out, uh, surprise, like not surprisingly, but we just like happenstance that actually uh, what happens neurologically is you start to uh, – like you're using both sides of your brain when you do that. Yeah. Instead of just like language is just kind of hitting your left side, images hitting your more of your right side. So when you bring both of them together, you're creating this kind of dual brain, exp- holistic brain experience 
which actually has been verified by some like doctors and neuroscientists, like uh, that this is actually how we have yeah. depthful spiritual experiences. So I think that wasn't anything we planned, just kind of how what we were led to do. Totally. And that, I think why it's been really working yeah. in people is because there was this aspect of their experience, which, you know, like I'll tell, I'll tell a story. Like I remember the only time I've been to Hawaii, it was like 1998 I went with my parents, my brother and I were like teenagers or I was in college. And uh, like, I remember just every night, everybody would walk down to the beach, watch the sunset. And as soon as it went down, people just like left. And I was like, what is this ritual? <laughs> there was like this ritual that was going on. Why? There wasn't any words out in the sky. There wasn't anything being told what we were experiencing. We just wanted to see and experience light go yeah. below the horizon line. Right. And so there was this, there, like, and I think we've had lots of those experiences about what we're seeing is forming us. And that is, I think, why the image is important is there's an That's aspect good. that images can be forming to us. I would only, and I would only add the, like this, when you go back to the whole idea that life's too short to pretend you're not religious, the idea that it's stuff that's happening. Maybe the, the other way to say this for folks are like, yeah, then you have to kind of believe that there's some sort of like weird, like substrata or like gods in the clouds kind of thing. And here's this, uh, maybe the other way to say it would yeah. be this. Like if you don't have a practice, like a formational practice in your life, you call it spiritual, which is what I would say. It's a spiritual practice, which is to consider your whole mm -hmm. life meaningful. If you don't have one, well, then Amazon will have one on your behalf or Fox <laughs> or CNN or Apple. Like you are being shaped. Like you don't get a decision there. You like you are yeah. being shaped by forces in the world. You either harness that in some sort of liturgical way where you practice things that form your life direction, you know, directionally in the way you want to go, or someone else will do it for you. There is no neutral when it comes to meaning in life. There's no neutral when it comes to humanity. You're being formed. That's part of what it means to be human. So that's part of what, I, like, when Dark writes about life's too short to pretend this isn't happening. That's kind of what's happening. The music you listen to, the news you watch, the shit you buy and use, like, all of this is forming you in a particular way. So until you intentionalize that and then take some sort of hold of it, then you're just being formed by other entities that don't care about you the way you should. Yeah. This is pure gold, yeah. you guys. That's why you guys get paid the big bucks. This is super, super good. Um, <laughs> oh, when, when does that start happening? Right. When does that? Oh, date? it's it's coming. Can just, I, just. Can somebody have that check? Yeah, and uh, can uh, I, I, I can I add to, on top of that since we're getting to it? Because we actually made this book because we have friends who come from a tradition, and we have friends who don't come from any tradition, but are like, yeah. I feel inclined to pray. I don't mm. know what to, I don't know what to do with that. And what we found is like. And our premise for the books are like, we don't pray because we're religious. Religion can help with the framework and stuff, but that's not the essence of why we pray. It's a human experience. So we're actually asking people to be like fully human. Yes. That this is, this is like something that will, uh, that will depthen your experience in the world. And I, yeah, I think what comes along is people like, do I have to believe all these things that I don't believe in? And we're like, mm -hmm. no, you don't have to believe in what the spiritual realm is or whatever. I'd actually say my, it helped me to really define what spiritual and religious religion would mean. Uh, Cause I think, again, we use these words without really a definition. I just think spirituality is when you take what's invisible and make it visible. Yes. Mm. So like we all understand that uh, like thinking about soul care, like I'm in this physical body, which is pretty fantastic at still at 42, but mm -hmm. there's Hell like yeah, a, 
There's mm. like a, but that's not who I am. There's like the deep part of me that's really hard to put a finger on. Yep. We call that our soul or our spirit. So even though it's unseen, uh, to do like to engage in spiritual activity is to, is to acknowledge that there is a part of me that's unseen that I still need to care for and unseen, you know, and, and then yep. so spirituality is the practice and rhythms and those things which care for that, which look like traditionally like silence, solitude, mm-hmm. maybe even like journaling, uh, whatever, you know, even exercise. Uh, these are, even though my physical body needs to exercise, that ties into this like depthful, soulful care. And then religion mm-hmm. is just like the rhythms and practices and rituals we create around that making in what's invisible visible. That, so those are those simple terms, simple definitions have helped me a lot. Because uh, when people start throwing like, I don't like religion, I'm like, great, you don't like yeah, the, join the yeah. rhythm, rhythms and practices. Yeah, and power got involved and mortgages and salaries and egos. I get it. Like, yeah, no, we none of us really like that stuff. But what kind of religion are you a part of? Like, I think yeah. David Duff yep. getting to is like, you're already a part of a religion, yep. whether it's the religion of brunch or the religion of like always putting down other people who found something, you know, like it's just, yeah, we're all doing, we're all creating some kind of rhythms and practices. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Justin, each prayer, let's talk words for a minute, uh, like English language, each prayer begins with the word may. Typically, mm-hmm. I think as, as I've read through them, it's typically may I, but there's some variants there, but they all, they all start with may. What, what What's going on there? Um, in in terms of that word and how that frames the conversation. Cause you could say other things you could say, I hope, or I want, or let these things yeah. come to pass. Like what's going on with that word. May I. Yeah. It taps back into the assumption and the, and, and the hope and the belief that there is a particular, uh, direction, will, a loving will that, uh, surrounds, undergirds, begins and ends life. And what, what I would rather do with my prayer life is tap into that than try to manipulate it. So may may it be with me, as you say, is the prayer of Mary. So and Mary as like an archetype for me of faith. Who here's this announcement in the, the in the biblical story of hey you're you're pre- you're pregnant you're 15 you're pregnant um you're gonna give birth to the Messiah have a good day this is the message she gets which is just bananas. And what she doesn't say is like, oh, hell yeah, I'm in. Let's roll. What she says is, may it be with me as you say. Which that as a posture of prayer, like let it be with me as the divine wills. Like I want to tap into what's happening. I want to I want to like move with the river as it's flowing as opposed to spend all this time with my, hey, God, will you please? All those are fine prayers. That's great. But none of them mean anything if I'm not if I'm like constantly warring against the way things are moving, the way the divine is moving. I mean, this, some of this is like taps into like kind of oldest old sort of Taoist understanding of of spirituality, where like you let go and you just let the river carry you. I, I don't go all the way down that line because I think there's some I think there's more agency in human life than just like picking your feet up off the ground and letting the river carry you. But there really is something to be said for like moving in the direction the river is flowing as opposed to constantly hoping, literally hoping to God that like the plans I have set aside for my own mind will just work out and that God will get behind them. So may it be with me is more like 
okay, if this is the direction you're moving, then I want to do that. So prayer begins with attention paying as opposed to like will crafting. I'm, lo I'm looking and paying attention. I'm listening and responding to what I'm seeing as opposed to just in a closet by myself with my eyes closed, coming up with plans and then throwing them out into the wind and hoping that they work. Yeah. That's powerful. I love that. Uh, okay, so we're in the last third of our conversation today. I could talk with you all for forever, but I know we have all we all have things to do, and we'll do this again at some point. So here's what mm -hmm. I want to do. I don't even know if this is going to work out. This is just some random thought that came uh, to me. We're going to play a little game, not which is not really a game, but I am going to put you on the spot, both of you, and we'll see how you – and you both seem like you do really well on the spot. You're both friggin' smart. Um, so I'm going to – uh, I've read through, uh, may it be so I've prayed through, may it be so it's fantastic. It's helped me already uh, as a okay. human, as a husband, father, uh, worker, uh, neighbor, all of that stuff. I'm going to read, uh, a few of my favorites and I want, so again, this is the let's give a damn podcast. There are, uh, so many people listening right now that want to have, they're part of this, I call it the damn good family because they want to. Uh, make a difference in the world. They want to be a difference in the world. They want to 